Hello and welcome to another episode of the Experience Azerbaijan podcast. My name is Tom Marsden and today I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Grenfell-Shaw. Now Luke is in the middle of an incredible cycle journey between the city of Bristol in the UK and Beijing in China and he spent the last couple of weeks uh, cycling across Azerbaijan. Um, so Luke, first question, uh, what is the story behind this incredible journey? Um, I guess the story behind this ride started about two and a half years ago. I was teaching English out in Siberia and I had this odd ache in my left shoulder and I ignored it for months. Um, and eventually when I, when I went to the nurse, um, she took one look at my shoulders. She said, Borjamoy, which means, oh my God. And um, I was on the next flight home to the UK. I had scans. Um, and then three weeks later, I was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 24. And that completely turned everything upside down for me. All my dreams, my hopes. I, I didn't think I'd see Christmas. Um, and on that day I was diagnosed, I sort of just had one thought in my mind and a, a pipe dream that um, I'd had for years was to cycle around the world. And I always thought later, you know, after I've um, you know, got some money, after I've climbed the career ladder, after I've bought a house. Um, and I realized that later had to become now. And that hope to start a cycle ride became the Bristol to Beijing cycle ride. And so that's really the reason that it sort of stopped me from just saying later and got me to start saying now. And on the 1st of January, I started from Bristol and I chose quite an interesting time to try and cross Eurasia. Yeah, absolutely. So you spent um, the last couple of weeks cycling around Azerbaijan. So tell us, you know, where have you been? What have you seen? Um, what are your impressions of, uh, of the country? Right. So uh, in brief terms, I cycled from west to east uh, from the, the Red Bridge crossing uh, with Georgia and the first major town was Gazak. I went through uh, Gazak, Ganja, uh, Sheki, Gebele, Ismaili, Shamaki, and uh, also through Guba and Gobustan. Uh, so I've seen like a, a lot of different places in, in Azerbaijan and of course uh, Baku as well. So it, it's been amazing to see some of the range and the breadth. I think one of the standout things for me actually in Azerbaijan um, and particularly traveling through the countryside is the natural beauty. Um, that was just something, particularly in spring, it was verdant. It was uh, just amazing blue skies and the horizons, horizons just seemed to extend on and on. And it made it really quite special uh, as a country to cycle through and experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, in terms of your impressions of Azerbaijan, has anything sort of really surprised you about the country? Um, I have to say, uh, a lot of things had surprised me. I didn't, I didn't know very much about Azerbaijan. I didn't really have many expectations. Um, but the expectations I did have have been sort of challenged quite thoroughly. So, for example, when I was doing my brief research before entering, I was going on the Wikipedia page and I saw that Azerbaijan exports most of its wine. And I thought to myself, oh, well, that makes sense. It's a Muslim country. They don't drink their wine here. They, they export it. 
And so I was surprised within an hour and then just from that point onwards, just seeing, you know, beer coolers um, in, in the shops and spirits behind the counters. And it's very clear that um, people, people drink alcohol here. And, you know, as, as more time I've spent in Azerbaijan, you know, it is, um, it is a secular country. There is a very light touch of religion that doesn't really enter day-to-day -day life at all. And, you know, I, it was two days before I saw my first mosque and that astounded me because I'd been, I've been through Turkey. There's a mosque in every village. I was expecting something the same, but here um, in Azerbaijan, most of the, my impression is most of the religious um, influence is quite historical stuff that's sort of from a hundred or 200 years ago, the buildings and the attitudes are sort of permeated from that point rather than a sort of modern day sort of, uh, we're a religious country because it's it's not as far as I can tell and from what everyone has told me as well So yeah. that's been like one very interesting thing. Yeah, and um, Just regarding the sort of local people What has their reaction been to, to you because obviously you're, you're cycling around on a tandem bicycle during the pandemic and wearing a sort of bright bright pink and blue uh, cycling vest this must be quite a quite a shock to them the response has been uh, amazing. Uh, the first day that we are, the first morning we are cycling out of Gazak, and we almost weren't able to leave the town because, like, the number of people who were like waving and uh, calling us over for, you know, cups of tea um, and just you know shouting like salam. Um, it was the most outpouring of warmth that I've actually experienced anywhere on this trip which was quite remarkable because I've experienced some other really great displays of warmth and you know they absolutely exist in every country but particularly in the rural regions of Azerbaijan I guess it helps being very distinctive in a time when there are almost no tourists but um, we were quite kind of blown away by just how consistent that warmth and that welcome was. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of uh, practicalities, I mean, where have you been sleeping? Where have you been eating? Um, can you talk about that kind of stuff? Yeah, so um, sleeping, it's been a mix of, uh, I guess, hotels and camping um, and homestays, actually. So seen, seen quite a bit. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, Azerbaijan clearly has money and clearly there are lots of tourists with a fair bit of money who come here and there is, you know, the five-star hotels to, to suit. So there's some very high end places to stay, but then, and, and they have wonderful um, advantages and, you know, a spa or a pool or whatever. But then I absolutely love the homestays because you really get to, to meet and talk with, with Azri people. And so when we're in Sheki, we stayed with a family and the, the father used to sell the uh, wool of the sheep in sort of Turkmenistan and traveled all the way around the Soviet Union. So you get the chance to hear stories that you wouldn't if you're just staying in a much less personal setting of a, like a, of a nice hotel. And then it's an amazing place to camp, you know, lots of natural beauty, um, you know, lots of nice secluded spots. So yeah, had some really nice experiences there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously, Azerbaijan is is a very mountainous country. Um, so, have you found that a, a challenge on the bike 
um, tackling the mountains and um, it must be extremely tiring. Yeah, it's um, it, definitely the route that we chose uh, going through the sort of the northern foothills. So Sheki uh, Gebele, Ismaili Shamahi, that was all pretty hilly and mountainous. And yeah, it was, there were some pretty tough gradients. Um, I mean, you know, you just have to plug up the hill and you get there in the end. Uh, but it was also totally worth it. It was one of the best decisions that we made to come off the lower road, um, which is the sort of direct lorry road, and go north because we saw some um, really beautiful parts of Azerbaijan. And apparently that lower road is pretty boring and grim. So um, like, I think it was a, a very good choice for the cyclists to take the hills and enjoy the views. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, so as, as um, Luke also um, is recording a podcast at the moment, which is called um, Bristol to, to Beijing. Yeah, Bristol how, how number two, Beijing. Yeah, how can people Bristol find it? Beijing. How do people find it? Um, go wherever you found this podcast, uh, go on iTunes or Spotify, uh, or just simply use Google and type in Bristol to Beijing. And that is number two, Bristol to Beijing. And you can find the podcast and... Um, hear about my thoughts on Azerbaijan there and then also every country that I've traveled through. So Georgia and Turkey and you know, onwards through Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was listening to your latest episode and um, you were describing a trip to Hinalig, um, mm. which I thought was really interesting. Can you, can you share your, your journey to Hinalig? So Hinalig is this... Um, incredible village at sort of 2350 meters i think that's about right um and you know if if you count azerbaijan being in europe it's the highest village in europe um so it's and it's a pretty remote place um and i tried to cycle there not knowing any better it's best to take a car that's all i'll say <laughs> um it's um populated by the the kit people and i think you, you'll correct me um you know more about this than i'm i think tom but um you know, get people who are not azari uh, and yet there are i think an incredible number of different ethnicities um in azerbaijan something ridiculous like 200 i think people have been saying um and this is just and you know a lot of them are just single villages and it's a totally different way of life there there are no tarmac roads everything is built into the hillside it's made of this um gray slate and the the people there are incredibly hardy um you know the the son of the guy ralph i was staying with um at what uh, six o'clock in the morning was taking the two cattle out to graze um and that that was the first thing he did um so it's it's a very different side to Azerbaijan I suppose. Yes absolutely and a massive contrast to Baku the capital um, and you've spent probably quite a lot of time exploring Baku, Baku over the last, uh, last couple of weeks so what are, you, what are your impressions of Baku? I think that Baku is a really interesting experiment that has actually gone very well um, it could have gone badly wrong uh, with like a lot of modern architecture alongside some sort of historical parts, alongside sort of Soviet era architecture. That could be the recipe for disaster. But actually, I really like Baku and it's daring. There are lots of, um, you know, you've got the flame towers, which of course are, are well known, but there are many other modern sort of 
you know, glass buildings. There's you know ones that look like uh, water droplets, uh, a water droplet, or um, a set of Lego bricks stacked on top of each other. And then the Haydar Aliyev Center is a masterpiece of architecture. But then alongside of that, there is you know the old city in the center, which is this maze that you can wander around and take lots of small paths and find a you know a museum uh, full of Qurans or you know an art cafe or just some murals on a wall and you know it's a place that's you can kind of get lost in but it's not so large that you know um, other uh, old cities I've been in you kind of think you might get lost forever and it's not like that um, yeah, and then alongside all of this are the oil boom mansions with these incredible stately buildings and, um, you know, the so surprisingly pretty Soviet era architecture. Most of the Soviet era architecture I've seen is ugly as anything. And to my surprise, a lot of the buildings I thought were from the oil boom era were actually um, more recent. And somehow Baku seems to have escaped the worst of the Soviet building curse of the sort of, you know, very ugly flats and that they're beautiful honey-colored stone um, and you know and throughout the center of Baku there are probably hundreds of coffee shops now there's been a huge coffee boom over the last five years and um, but what I think is nice is that they're nearly all independents there's like one Starbucks or maybe two Starbuckses um, so it's very much kind of um, international or perhaps western culture but on Azerbaijan's terms I suppose. Yeah and um, how does it compare to other major cities in the region? Have you been to Istanbul for example and Tb Tbilisi did you come from? Yeah sure. How does it compare to those places? Um, I suppose you know each of those cities has got their own character. I, I mean Istanbul is is huge and I found it quite difficult to get around. There are lots of different things. Um, you know, of course, incredible history, um, an incredible variety of things to do. I like the fact that Baku, Baku center at least, is, is small and pretty much walkable. And there's a lot that happens just in that small space. Um, and I, I think one of my favorite things that, um, you know, Baku has that Tbilisi doesn't is this beautiful, Caspian Sea, then being able to watch the sunset there or the sunrise is, is very special. Um, I loved in Tbilisi the fact that there are hills right on your doorstep, quite literally. Um, you know, and that's something I do a lot of running. And so being able to go heading to the trails was something I loved about Tbilisi that isn't here in the same way in Baku. Um, but you know, each city has its own, its own advantages and disadvantages. Absolutely. Okay, and um, so what's the, what's the plan from, from here? Where, where are you going next? So the plan is to cross the Caspian Sea, head to Kazakhstan and uh, through Uzbekistan and you know, carry on through the Silk Roads and then you know, eventually make my way, hopefully through Pakistan, India and uh, into China and you know, finish up in Beijing. Yeah, um, how are you managing to, to do this during the pandemic when borders are closed and you know, most people are sitting at home, but you're um, cycling around the world. Um, I'm incredibly fortunate to be doing this right now. And I have had a help from a lot of different people. There's been a mixture of 
um, trying to find the opportunities and the challenges. So when borders have closed and uh, Hungary or Russia taking alternative routes, but um, since sort of uh, Tur from Turkey onwards, I've needed the help of governments to give me a, a sort of special uh, exemption. Um, and what's been amazing is that you know the Georgian government, the Azeri government, and hopefully future governments. Um, you know, have got behind the ride, what it stands for, what is possible with the cancer diagnosis and have chosen to support it. And that has made all the difference. And without that, I would be moving nowhere. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds incredible. And, you know, in the future, um, you know, would you like to come back to Azerbaijan? Is there anything that you haven't seen that you would like to go and check out? I definitely would like to come back to Azerbaijan, but it's actually to revisit bits that I've already seen. There were some bits uh, that we were cycling through just beautiful hillside that rolled on and just felt quite um, limitless because that you did, couldn't see any fences you couldn't see any barriers and what I would have loved to have done is just stop my bike uh, get a small little rucksack and go running in any direction just for the whole day and just being in the landscape and just soaking it up for me that was perhaps the most special thing of azerbaijan of these extraordinary landscapes and just to be there and experience it rather than do a certain thing yeah um okay well luke i think uh, you've had some really interesting experiences here in azerbaijan um, and thank you so much for sharing them with us um, and obviously we wish you the best of luck with your incredible journey to, to beijing um, and perhaps if you do come back to Azerbaijan, we can have another chat in the future. I look forward to it. Well, thank you very much, Tom, um, yeah, for giving me the chance to share my experiences. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Luke. Cheers.